please remain standing as we remember that Jesus Christ can sympathize with us in our weaknesses, since in every respect he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with boldness approach the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and help in time of need. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. As we come before you, gracious God, we acknowledge that we have failures we cannot forget, hurts we cannot heal, sins we cannot erase, and an emptiness we cannot fill. Extend your grace, we humbly ask. Lift us up in your mercy, and send us on our way rejoicing as your forgiven people. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. And Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. with believers across the globe and down through the centuries, let us say together what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite you in the love of Christ to turn and greet your neighbors.
Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms. It is great to have you here on this second Sunday of the season of Easter, uh, especially if you're a guest this morning. We would like to extend a, a warm welcome and invite you to uh, return again and again to join us as we seek to serve our Lord and Savior and be about the mission of equipping disciples for the service of Christ. If you're seated on the aisle side of the uh, pew, I would encourage you to take one of those red friendship pads that's there and sign your name to it and then pass it on down the pew. You might take note of the names of the folks who are seated nearby you. And uh, then uh, after the service, perhaps invite um, folks to join you out under the tree for some refreshments. I would also encourage you to read through the announcements. There are a number that are uh, printed each week in the bulletin. I wanted to highlight um, a few of those announcements. Today, uh, we have our organizational meetings, information and organizational meetings for the Day of Hope that we will be hosting um, once again this summer. For those of you who were here last year, you may remember that the Day of Hope is an opportunity that we have with other churches in our community to serve um, students in Sarasota County schools who are either homeless or in significant need. We help them to get ready for school by providing um, backpacks and school supplies and medical checkups and dental checkups and haircuts and photos and sheriff's department IDs if needed and meals and uh, Bibles, an opportunity to, to pray and to play. It is a wonderful chance. Last year we served 108 children and their families, and this year we feel called by God to serve uh, 150 or more. So if you would like to be a part of this great event on August the 3rd, as I said, there's an informational meeting. There are actually two, one at 11.15 and one at 12.15. Identical meetings, just uh, done twice to accommodate schedules over in the campus center this morning. And so I hope that you'll go and um, listen to what, uh, to what God might do through us as we serve uh, people in need right here in our own community. Because of those meetings going on there, the shepherding deacons who are being trained today will be meeting over in the music and arts building. So if you're involved in that meeting, um, this is like one of those flight things where you might be on the wrong flight. If you go to the campus center, you'll receive information about Day of Hope and not about being a shepherding deacon. So you'll want to strap into your seat in the music and arts building if you're a shepherding deacon. So there is a uh, new member class coming up this Saturday. There's more information about that in the bulletin from 9 until 12.15. And if you are considering making a, a membership commitment here at Church of the Palms, we'd love to have you be uh, a part of that class. Uh, speaking of classes, there is an error in the bulletin. If you're involved in the C.S. Lewis class, the next meeting of that class is April the 23rd. April the 23rd, not this coming Tuesday, not this coming Tuesday. So please don't come all ready to learn about C.S. Lewis and God in the Dock because it's not happening for another week until the 23rd. Also out under the tree, there's going to be sign-ups for things like the uh, upcoming men's conference this next Saturday, Iron Sharpens Iron, um, sign-ups for uh, giving blood 
uh, a week from today, next Sunday, Suncoast Community's Blood Bank will be here. We heard last week what a tremendous need there is for blood uh, here in our community. And finally, you can sign up today after the service out in the courtyard for a, an upcoming field trip, a bus trip that leaves from here to go to uh, Wycliffe and Campus Crusades headquarters over in Orlando, and that will take place on Friday, April the 26th. The trip is free. It is a great way to learn about um, what Wycliffe does and how that ties in with the Jesus film offering we received a few, uh, a few weeks ago and the exciting things that that will mean in the future for this people group in Nigeria to uh, hear and see God's word in their own heart language. So we, uh, we have a, a special opportunity today, a, uh, a presentation, a minute for mission to, to give you some uh, feedback from our uh, Honduras uh, mission teams, and we have planned it in a just-in-time kind of way as Paul and Rhonda walk in the uh, sanctuary. Uh, we'd like to invite them to come forward and share uh, how they saw God at work in our uh, Honduras mission teams in February. Good morning. That is perfect timing coming across from the other service. <laughs> the uh, first week of February, I'm Paul Martin, by the way. The uh, first week of February, I had the privilege of being part of nine guys who went down to Honduras for a week of construction projects. And our focus was to work on building walls and tables and chairs and bookcases for an orphanage located about 10 miles northeast of the town of El Progreso. The orphanage itself was an act of faith. Pictures up there? Good. The orphanage, as I said, was an act of faith. It was built about three and a half years ago by a church in Atlanta. And the couple who lead the ministry and now serve as house parents heard the call of God and left their corporate jobs in New York State and speaking no Spanish went down and got the ministry started. And they're now mom and dad to 38 kids, ranging in age from babies to teenagers. Some of them are actual orphans, but most were taken from parents due to abuse or neglect. And so our task was to do things like build walls to make more private areas for the girls, and to make tables and benches and chairs for the dining hall and study areas, and bookcases for the study areas, and repair the kitchen cabinets. But more than building facilities, our main goal was to build relationships. And we saw the Lord work in each of us and build us as a team. And it was a joy to serve the staff and encourage them and to see the love that they have for the kids. But each day we were looking for God sightings where we saw the Lord work in unexpected ways. And perhaps the most unexpected thing for me was to see the Lord work in the lives of the kids as we interacted with them. There was 11-year-old Karen who had come to the orphanage sometime before that with no verbal or social skills. And she was incredibly withdrawn and ran and hid pretty much from anybody, including us, the first day. But as we interacted with her and without even language, played with her a little bit, on Thursday morning she came and gave me a hug, which just blew me away. Then there was Walter. 
Walter is now 14. He'd come to the orphanage as a street kid. He was fascinated by the power tools that we had for building all the things that we had. He wanted to help us cut and sand boards and put bookcases together. And so we let him. We began to teach him what to do with our goal, of course, making sure that he ended each day with the same number of fingers that he started with. <laughs> and by the end of the week, he told us that he wanted to become a carpenter. So we planted seeds that first week during our construction project, planted seeds in the lives of the kids, and I'm looking forward to going back and seeing how the Lord made them grow. Rhonda? Good morning. My name is Rhonda Graper, and I recently had the privilege to go on the VBS trip to, uh, mission trip to Honduras. I didn't know what, if anything, I could bring to the table. I don't speak Spanish. I'm not a teacher. And I haven't spent a lot of time studying the Bible. Still, I felt the call. I was assured by the team that God would reveal my gifts. I was told that God gives us the will and the ability to do his work, whatever that is. The unconditional love that I was able to give and to receive has touched me in ways I cannot explain. The children were so happy to be with us. These children are poor in material things, but rich in the Lord's spirit. They surely know God's love. To me, they are God's littlest angels. They taught me what's important. It was very difficult for me to tell these children goodbye. I couldn't believe the connection we had made in just five days. I continue to pray for these angels, and I would urge anyone who feels the call to go on a mission trip to follow their heart. The rewards are huge, and who couldn't use an unlimited supply of hugs and kisses? My greatest reward is knowing that these children felt God's loving hand through me. Despite the language barrier, and to quote Pastor Steve, we communicated in the language of God. Thank you. Let us pray. Most gracious and loving God, we thank you for the joy of this Easter season. We offer you all our praise and honor and glory. We ask your blessing upon us as a people and upon the ministries and mission of this church. We pray that we remain open to the leading of your spirit. We pray this day for the officers and staff of this church, especially our new shepherding deacons the children and youth of this church and those who work with them, particularly that we pray this church might be a safe and nurturing place for the children and the youth. Those of our fellowship who are now or soon will return to the north to their homes, we pray for them and we ask for safe travels and quick return back to us. We pray for those who are facing illness this day we lift up those whose name we print in the bulletin and those whose names we named quietly in our hearts. May they be healed by your healing hands, we pray. We pray those who mourn this day, and especially we lift up Nicholas, 
Mavrikas and family upon the death of Nick's father. Grant you peace and understanding and comfort, we pray. We pray for those people who we serve, who serve here in Sarasota and also all around the world in mission field and in also armed forces. Be with each and every one of them, we pray. We bring our prayers to you, O Lord, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now we continue to worship God in giving. Your pardon, Lord. 
we pray. Lord, who gives so liberally to us, teach us to be as cheerful in our giving as you were in giving your Son to us. May your blessing be upon these resources, and we pray that the joy of giving will just exceed anything that we have known before. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Good morning. If we could have the kids come on down. Great job sharing your gift with us. Thank you. You guys sound great. Good job. So as they're making their way down, we are going to have an interesting time today up at our kids' worship. In, before we start talking about our lesson on friendship and encouragement, I thought we would have a little conversation about geese. So tell me, do you know anything about a goose? Ricky, do you know something about a goose? goes somewhere where it's warm. Excellent. When it's winter that the goose goes somewhere where it's warm. How do they get there? How do they get there? They fly in the sky. They fly in the sky. And do you know what formation they take? Do you know what the shape is that they fly in? Yeah. A V. Say that again. A V. A V. That's exactly right. Look at this. I made a picture of these geese so that you could see how they fly. Here's what I learned. This front goose has to work really, really hard, and when he does, he gives the goose behind him a little lift, and then he gives the goose behind him a little lift, so they can fly 77-0% farther because they fly like this. Have you ever seen geese flying in the air? Have you ever seen them? If you hear them or if you listen, it, you can hear them going honk, honk. They kind of honk, and you know what they're doing? They're encouraging this guy in the very front to keep flying because it's so hard. Isn't that cool? So he's not out there alone. He's got his friends behind him going, you can do it. But they say that with a honk. So when he gets really tired, you know what he does? He goes back to the back and rests, and someone else goes to the front. So they work together like that. I got to tell you one other thing because it's so cool. If one of the geese gets, like, hurt or injured, and he falls to the ground, immediately two other geese fly down with him, and they stay with him, and they take care of him until he's better, and then they take off in their own little group, or they join another one. So it's all about encouraging each other and taking care of each other. And that's what the Apostle Paul is going to tell us today when he was writing this letter to friends of his in this church of Thessalonica. Don't ever name your church Thessalonica. That is like a death sentence. So he was encouraging them. He said, friends, encourage one another to stay strong and to keep living the way God wants you to live. Think about how when your mom and dad say that they're proud of you or when your teacher writes, great job on your paper or when your coach says, you really played a great game today. You know how that makes you feel so happy and good inside? And that's why God wants us to encourage our friends to give them that exact same feeling. So I want you to remember, be like the goose and honk your encouragement to all of your friends. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for family and friends who encourage us. And we just pray that you help us to be an encourager too so that we help our friends fly high. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
We are uh, continuing this morning in the sermon series that Pastor Steve began last week, looking at the book of Acts and what it has to say to us today about the mission of the church. So this morning we're going to be looking at the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. I'm reading verses 1 to 6, and then in the message we'll be looking at some following verses. So I would encourage you to uh, grab one of the pew Bibles on the rack in front of you or take out your own Bible so that you might follow along. Before we read God's Word, let us pray. Gracious God, we believe your Word is a lamp unto our feet. We believe it is a light unto our path. And so as we open the Scripture today, we pray that you would make us aware of the presence and the movement of your Holy Spirit in our midst, shining forth your truth from the pages of Scripture. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 9, beginning in the first verse. Meanwhile, Saul still breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. And he asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. I'd like to share a little something with you this morning about uh, some things that happened later in my days in college. It was after some of the events that I might have shared about earlier, after I formed that close group of friends who were from places all around the country and even from different parts of the world. It was, it was after I had changed my major six times in three years at Stetson University, but by this point in time, I had settled on psychology as a major. I was planning to go to graduate school and get a, a PhD in clinical psychology. I hoped eventually to be a, a professor at a university and have a counseling practice on the side, but, but I also was was torn because I, I had a, a patriotic sense of, of wanting to serve our country in the military after I graduated. That's what my father had done when he was at Stetson. And, and so I, I did some research and I found out that the United States Army has psychologists in the ranks. They, their, their branch is called the, the Medical Service Corps. And so it seemed like there was a way for me to do both of those things. So I signed up for ROTC 
classes in addition to my other coursework. Now, when you were in ROTC, we had um, physical training, PT, uh, every morning at, at ODARC 100. We were out there doing push-ups and sit-ups and running and calling cadences and stuff like that. A couple times a week, we, we got together and we, we did uh, drill kinds of things. And then uh, about once a month or so, we went on a field training exercise, an FTX. And that's where you go out in the woods and you do soldier kind of stuff. For a, for a whole weekend. And there was one other thing that we uh, did as part of ROTC. You went off to summer uh, boot camp and, and they sent our cadet corps from ROTC to Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Now, for those of you who have a military background, what's, what's, one of, what's the main unit whose, whose home is Fort Bragg, North Carolina? It's the 82nd Airborne Division. It is a proud unit of the United States military. And our drill sergeants were from the 82nd Airborne Division. And they wore their their jump wings proudly. And as they would get us cadets lined up, the drill sergeant would get in the face of the cadets. And, and they, each one of our drill sergeants, they, they assumed that all of us wanted nothing more from our military career than, be to, than to be assigned to, where do you think? The 82nd Airborne Division. That is absolutely right. And so when they got us lined up, they would get right up in your face and they would say, cadet, where do you want to be in the army. And I noticed that a lot of the other guys in the, in the ROTC unit, they would say, airborne sergeant. And, and the sergeant would give them a little nod of approval and move on to the next. And so, but you know, I thought I should be honest. <laughs> and, and so the drill sergeant gets up right in my face and he says, Cadet Hedgepeth, what do you want to do in the army? And I said, Medical Service Corps Sergeant! He almost blew a gasket right then and there. I, I knew by the way he looked at me, it was going to be a very long summer at boot camp. Well, in our, early in our text, when we read about the Apostle Paul, it, it seems like he had a kind of disposition sort of like a stereotypical drill sergeant. I mean, did you catch the way he was described in the first couple of verses of the text that we read? Listen to it again in case you missed it. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Saul was so angered that there were some Jews who believed that Jesus was the Messiah that he couldn't take it. He was so upset that he asked for permission. He asked for one, letters of extradition from the high priest in the temple in Jerusalem so that two, he could walk 150 miles from Jerusalem all the way to Damascus to arrest any Jews 
who were believers in Jesus. Later on in the 26th chapter of Acts, Saul himself describes how he was feeling at that point in time as a raging fury. But we know from the passage we read that something transformative, something dramatic happened to Saul as he was on that road, almost when he got to Damascus. Scripture tells us that it was about midday when a bright light from heaven knocked Saul down to the ground. And the voice of the risen Christ called out, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Probably a very familiar text for many of us. And we also remember that for the next three days, Saul had to be led around in Damascus because he was blind. And so what I would when I've preached this, uh, preached from this text before, what I have typically done is focused on that transformation that happened to Saul between the time he got those letters of extradition in Jerusalem and the, the time that he left Damascus. And that is a, a, a true message. It's an important message for each of us to hear that that, that an encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ is at the very heart of our Christian faith. But what I would like to focus on today is another important part of the verses that follow the ones we read. And this insight, I think, often gets overlooked because of all of the rightful focus we place on Saul's conversion, on his way to becoming the Apostle Paul, who was the writer of so much of our New Testament. But, but let's look at just the next few verses, beginning at verse 10 in Acts chapter 9, to see what happened. So Saul was blinded, he was in Damascus. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, here I am, Lord. Note the tie-in with the hymn previously. Do you like that? I thought it was pretty. Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, get up. And go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go. For he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. 
Now, it shouldn't be surprising to us that when God spoke to Ananias in this vision, that he was reluctant to go to see Saul. Remember, none of the believers, the Jewish believers in Damascus knew that anything was different for Saul than what they had heard before. As far as they knew, this was still the same guy who had caused all that havoc in Jerusalem. This was still the same guy who had gotten those letters of extradition from the high priest who had the authority to arrest them and haul them back to Jerusalem where they could be thrown in jail. And so it's not surprising that Ananias was somewhat hesitant to, to go to Saul, it would have been like turning himself in to be arrested. It was a scary situation. And, and speaking of scary situations, as part of our training in ROTC, they, uh, they taught us how to repel. You know what repelling is, where you go from a higher place to a lower place with the help of just a rope? Well, um, what they, they taught us how to use this rope, and you, we tied up a Swiss seat. You wrap the rope around your legs and waist and backside in a certain way, and then you leave a loop in the front, and you put one of those metal clampy things. It's called a carabiner on the, on the loop in the front, and um, then they took us to this training area. It was, a, it was a training tower, about three or four stories high. And then we got in line. We had a, I, I did okay getting the Swiss seat on. I snapped the carabiner on and then you know, just got in line and followed the cadets in front of me. Wasn't too bad climbing up the ladder. You just keep an eye on the guy in front of you, kind of hand over hand until you get to the platform on the top platform on the top, there's a nice safety rail all around, so that wasn't too bad. But then, it got to be your turn. And they ran, they ran the rope through your carabiner, snapped it in there, and then you stepped out to the edge. You were looking down 40 or 50 feet to the ground with this rope tied in. And there was one of the instructors on the, on the ground he had the rope, and it was his job, if something bad happened, to help me from uh, splatting on the ground. <laughs> and so I did what I was supposed to do. I, I called out, on repel! And he called back, on belay! And so I was supposed to stand there at the edge and then lean back into thin air and bound my way down this wall. It was a scary situation. Go Medical Service Corps. <laughs> I, I made it to the bottom in, in one piece, but, but I imagine that that feeling that I had leaning out over the edge, you may have had that feeling on a high dive or something like that, or if you've jumped out of an airplane, that feeling must have been something like what Ananias experienced when God said to him, Go. So I don't think I'm reading too much between the lines when I sort of put an incredulous tone in Ananias' voice in my mind. When, when he, he said to God, now, 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 Lord, are you sure it's the Saul of Tarsus, the one who, who came from Jerusalem? 
you've heard, haven't you, what he's been doing to your saints in Jerusalem. I mean, he's, he's caused some real problems. I'm, I'm not really sure it would be conducive to my health to go to visit Saul at this point in time. But Ananias went. He was courageous and he was obedient. And he went to see Saul on the street called Straight in the heart of Damascus to the home of Judas. Here's how it's described beginning in verse 17 of Acts 9. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then Saul got up and was baptized. I find that record just an incredible interaction. The way that Ananias dealt with Saul. The courage he showed in going to Judas's house. Laying his hands on this persecutor of believers, just as God told him to. And then, what did he call Saul? Brother. Brother Saul. What an amazing way to welcome one who had been an enemy as a member of the family. You know, last week when Pastor Steve talked about this series on the mission of the church, on what we can learn from these different passages in the book of Acts. And last week we learned about how the message doesn't change, but the method that we use to convey the message does change. And so this week I was wondering, what is it that we can learn from Ananias and the way he dealt with the Apostle Paul. And I think there are two important things for us to learn. I think we can learn about courage. And I think we can learn from how gracious he was in dealing with Saul. You know, when it comes to the courage part Ananias also shows us that we, we don't get courageous because we hope to be recognized, we, because we hope to be famous. Because if you look in your Bibles, what you will find is that Ananias is mentioned only here in the ninth chapter of Acts, and then one more time in Acts chapter 22, when Paul is telling his story, he mentions Ananias by name. Besides that, he disappears from the pages of Scripture. And yet, if this follower of Jesus would not have been so courageous, if he would not have been so gracious in dealing with Saul, if he hadn't gone to the house that day, what would have happened? 
the impact that he had through his brief ministry with Saul was an important part of God's plan to change the world. And the same thing can be true for you and for me. There can be interactions where we choose to be gracious with people we don't know. There can be times when we have a sense that God is calling us to do something, maybe a little outside of our comfort zone, to have the courage to do that opportunities we have to turn conversations in a spiritual direction. It takes courage. It takes grace to do those things. A couple of years ago, a little more than a year ago actually, we were um, planning to send a couple of mission teams to Honduras like we did this past February. And our, uh, one of our hosts, uh, a Honduran pastor, got word to us that he uh, felt that there, there, he was observing there had been a rise in violence in that area as a result of drug trafficking that was going on. And, and so, in his opinion, it wasn't safe for us to go. He advised us to just stay at home. However, our, another of our hosts, the, the director of the eye clinic, believed differently. He believed there was an opportunity for us to serve there in Honduras. And so we wanted to be wise and we wanted to be faithful as well. So we combined two mission trips into one. And instead of going out to a remote village, traveling on relatively isolated roads where the danger would be higher, we stayed in the city of El Progreso. We worked at the eye clinic. And you heard this morning some of what has happened downstream because of a decision that took some degree of courage with that Honduras mission team. And so the question for you and for me is how will we respond to the opportunities God gives us to share with others Will we respond with courage and grace like Ananias did? Because when we do, lives can be changed for all eternity. Amen.
And now as this service ends and when you go from this place, go with God's blessing. May the living Lord Jesus go with you. May he go above you to watch over you, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, within you to give you peace, and before you to show you the way now and forever. Amen.